0: Well, some of you perhaps can resonate with um, with the challenge of explaining West and explaining ethical culture to other people. I don't know. Has anyone ever experienced that That's a little bit challenging? You know, when you start out by talking about Felix Adler in 1876, and then you've lost people <laughs> by then. <laughs> I find myself... Uh, trying to explain ethical culture in interfaith settings a lot because of some of the justice work that I do in, um, in interfaith circles, and trying to get something that's quick and pithy as I'm introducing myself but that will resonate somehow, that people will know what I'm talking about you know, when I talk about what this congregation is. And so what I tend to say is some version of, well, we're part of a movement that was founded based on the idea that ethics is at the heart of all religious traditions. And so what we do together is we celebrate that heart, we celebrate ethics, and we honor what it is that brings us together. And, and that tends to work in interfaith settings because people can, can identify with it easily. You know, they get the idea of ethics being at the heart. They, they get the idea that things are shared among religious traditions. It's also, conveniently, one of the things that I value most highly about ethical culture. That idea that we look for what binds us together across different traditions and even in this room, that we look for the things that connect us to each other. And I think it appeals broadly in the world. You know, we're, we're tired of the kind of divisiveness that comes over religion. And, and in fact, Felix Adler in 1876, he He was tired too, you know. I mean, that's one of the reasons that he started ethical culture. He was tired of religion being what pulls us apart from each other instead of what brings us together. I think that idea of being drawn together by our ethical values is something that's at work in the world broadly right now. Some of you might know about Karen Armstrong, the religious scholar. She was actually a nun at one time, and then she became a scholar um, and has written a number of really great books about different religious traditions and about what they share as well and recently started something called the Charter for Compassion. You might have heard about that. The Charter for Compassion, calls itself a document that transcends religious, ideological, and national differences. Supported by leading thinkers from many traditions, it goes on, the Charter activates the golden rule around the world. And and it posits that compassion is the principled determination to put ourselves in the shoes of the other and lies at the heart of all religious and ethical systems. It's a great idea, the Charter for Compassion, and you can sign it. Different religious bodies have signed it and different world leaders have signed it. You can like it on Facebook, too, and, um, and really beautiful quotes will pop up in your Facebook feed with pictures. I mean, they do a nice job about compassion or stories about kindness in the world. Um, and I just love that. I, I think we're all looking for that way that we connect with each other. And, of course, there's the um, sort of famous early 20th century religious scholar, um, Houston Smith, who wrote uh, the, the Religions of Man, I think it was called at the time. I believe they've changed the title now. But, um, <laughs> but, but who, who wrote this book about the idea that religions are all basically the same at their heart. He talks about different paths of the same mountain. That's a metaphor that you might have heard before. And and Houston Smith says, it's possible to climb life's mountain from any side, but when the top is reached, the trails converge. Differences in culture, history, geography, and collective temperament, he goes on, all make for diverse starting points. But beyond these differences, the same goal beckons. That idea of sharing at the heart the same thing. There's actually another image that I particularly love, and I've shared here before, so if you remember, you can you can go to sleep for like 30 seconds. Um, uh, but an image about how religious traditions are the same, which comes from Forrest Church, who was for many years the minister of All Souls New York, the Unitarian, one of the big Unitarian congregations in New York City. And he talks about the image of a cathedral. You know, that we're all in this cathedral together. And um, and we're standing there at our window. And you know how the windows of the cathedral are all a little bit different from each other. Sometimes they're really different from each other. Sometimes they tell stories. Sometimes they're just sort of abstract. But we're standing there in front of our window. And there through the window, we can see the light on the floor. Have you ever seen that through a stained glass window? a light on the floor in this beautiful pattern, or maybe it's a story and there's faces that are important to us, how beautiful it looks. And right next to us is another person, you know, looking through their window and the beautiful patterns and imagery that their window creates on the stone floor below. And we each have our own windows, and we see really different pictures and different colors and different images, but it's the same light that's coming through the windows. The same light kind of streams through those cathedral windows. So that's an image that stuck with me for a number of years, this idea that we look through different windows, but we're, we're trying to get at some of the same thing, the same thing is coming filtered through in those different ways. It's this idea, I think, that we are the same just as Paulette told in the story that we are loved and so are they, that we're holding somehow pieces of the same truth, you know, that the truths we have come together and fit into that whole. And that's been such an important part of my religious understanding, certainly growing up and even now. But is it true? That's always the trick, you know. It's It looks great that that truth kind of put together, that big heart with the pieces that fit so perfectly. Well, it should. should. (laughs) It's hard, though, isn't it, to get them to fit just right. And can they fit at all? That's a question. It's a question that I've been thinking about as I read this book by Stephen Prothero. Some of you might know this book was kind of came out a few years ago and got a lot of press at the time. Um, Of course, it has a great title. It's called God is Not One The Eight Rival Religions That Run the World and Why Their Differences Matter. Stephen Prothero is a religious scholar, and um, his basic idea is that. is that our idea that that religions are the same, this kind of popular understanding, and actually he calls out Houston Smith and he calls out Karen Armstrong and her charter of compassion, the idea that religions are at their heart the same, he calls it, quote, a lovely sentiment, but it is dangerous, disrespectful, and untrue. You see why, that's how you get on talk shows, you know, you say everything you think is dangerous, disrespectful, and untrue. He writes, for more than a generation, we have followed scholars and sages down the rabbit hole into a fantasy world in which all gods are one. This wishful thinking is motivated in part by an understandable rejection of the exclusivist missionary view that only you and your kind will make it to heaven or paradise, He goes on, the age of enlightenment in the 18th century popularized the ideal of religious tolerance and were doubtless better for it. But the idea of religious unity is wishful thinking nonetheless, and it has not made the world a safer place. In fact, he goes on, this naive theological groupthink, call it Godthink, has made the world more dangerous by blinding us to the clashes of religions that threaten us worldwide. It is time we climbed out of the rabbit hole and back to reality. Well, it's kind of a bummer, isn't it? (laughs) Really, you know, all religions are actually at their heart totally different and um, and they don't play well with each other. I think that's essentially what he says. He goes on a little bit to talk about why it is Am I picked up on here? I just want to make sure. Yeah, I am. Okay, good. Why it is that we want religions to be the same, why we want to believe that God is one or the light is one or there's some essential unity that we're all trying to get to with our different religious traditions. And he posits a couple of reasons why that might be. And I think that they're good ones, actually. He says, first of all, that we don't really do very well with arguments. He talks about his work as a professor and how he works with his students who come from diverse backgrounds um, to, to, to learn how to have respectful arguments and that they like the idea of respectful but they don't like the idea of arguments. It makes them feel uncomfortable. So he thinks that part of, what, part of what we're doing when we try to say all religions are one or all religions are the same is to, to kind of whitewash the whole thing and say, you know, oh, just don't worry about the differences. They're not that big a deal. It makes me think sometime of, of interfaith concerts, which I love, actually. I really love interfaith concerts but sometimes it feels as though they're trying to put this really beautiful, melodic voice on potentially real differences of opinion, real differences of belief. And I do, I agree with Prothero here that it's so much more powerful when we take the time to engage with those differences. When we don't just go to a concert and and hear all the ways that we're the same and we can sing beautiful songs, but when we're curious about the beliefs behind those songs, when we're curious about what brings me to an interfaith concert and you and the different religious traditions that we grew up in or that we honor now. Prothero says that believing that all religions are one is actually a kind of faith itself, which is fine so far as it goes, he thinks, but we need a dose of realism. Now, I will say that Prothero doesn't go quite as far as what he terms the New Atheists, you know, sort of this um, movement in the last uh, five, ten years of, um, of sort of really anti-religious sentiment among this crowd called the New Atheists. He, he says they would agree that all religion is the same too, actually, bad. <laughs> Prothero points out all the good that religion has done in big ways in the world and also in people's small and sacred lives. He asks, and I quote, is religion toxic or tonic? Is it one of the world's greatest forces for evil or one of the world's greatest forces for good? Yes and yes. (laughs) And he goes on to say that means it's too powerful to ignore. So I've been thinking about all of these pieces Because, of course, of our theme of the month, Harmony Through Differences. Now, I was part of the group that that came up with that theme. It was probably about four or five years ago now. Mary and Peggy and I all sat down. I can remember us around the table thinking about what were some of the particular themes that we wanted to look at over this three-year cycle. And now I'm not sure if I agree with myself from three years ago about Harmony Through Differences. I'm not sure, I like that theme, if by harmony we mean tranquility and peace. You know, sometimes that's how we use the term harmony. As though everything just has to be kind of calm waters. Because I don't know if you've noticed, but it's not always calm waters out there in the world. But if if by harmony we mean the beautiful sound that we hear from different threads and different experiences, if we mean the sound that really honors those different threads of song, then I agree with you know myself from four or five years ago and the decision that we made together there, if it's that kind of harmony that we're thinking about. Now, Prothero does agree that there that there's some ethical uh, guidelines that are at the heart of all religious traditions. But he goes on to say, quote, no religion sees ethics alone as its reason for being. There's actually sort of a different platform about whether we see ethics alone as our reason for being and what that means about us, but that's another, that's another 25 minutes another time. I'll look forward to sharing that with you. But I think in some ways what that says to me is that that original phrase that I use to explain ethical culture in interfaith circles, you know, there's a lot of truth in that, that there is an ethical guideline at the heart of all religious traditions. Even kind of grumpy Stephen Prothero, I don't know if he's really grumpy, he might be a lovely person, even sort of grumpy Stephen Prothero thinks that, that ethics is at the heart. But he goes on to argue that the differences in ritual, in in thoughts about divinity or not divinity, that those differences really matter to people. In fact, they matter so much that people kill for those differences. They fight. They invade each other around those differences. And I think that they matter too. I think he's right. I think, though... Of course, that we don't only need to fight about them or go into battle about them, but that there's a way to honor those differences, to see the harmony that's created through them as something richer because they matter, because they're so important to each of us, to whole countries, whole nations. So maybe... Maybe ethical culture already has the answer. Ethics is central. It's how we behave. It's the ethical golden rule in each tradition. So long as we don't forget about the pieces that make each religion and each of us, too, unique. Now, where does this leave my pretty cathedral image? Because, you know, I really don't want to give that up. It's hard to find a good illustration like that. I think one piece is that we have to be really aware that the light coming through my window it truly doesn't look like the light coming through your window. You know, we just see those colors so differently. And that it matters to me which window I picked. You didn't drive and take the bus and ride your bike just anywhere this morning, after all. You chose to come here. It matters to you that this is the place where you spend your Sunday morning. And then I think, I think we're called to focus on the things that do bind us together. I tried to think about where ethics might be in that cathedral image, you know, in the idea of the light coming through the windows. And I wonder if maybe it's in feeding the hungry people just outside the cathedral steps, the ones that are lining up at the soup kitchen. If we're only staring out the windows, only looking either at our beautiful colors or thinking about all of the different colors that different people are seeing, if we're only wondering about the light beyond, we're missing the folks there on the steps. We won't even notice them outside. So perhaps that's part of the way that we really are connected, how we serve those folks outside. I think I want to hold on to something even deeper than ethics, something underneath, the promise of what those Age of Enlightenment folks first noticed in the 18th century. I often turn, when thinking about religious traditions, to mysticism. And, you know, there's this incredible resonance with what the mystics of really all of the great religious traditions say when they have their kind of major mountaintop experiences, their mystical experiences. They all say something that kind of boils down to, huh, things seem really connected up here. There's a sense of oneness of connection to that which is the kind of melting away of the barriers between us. I actually have some some quotes from different mystics, from a whole bunch of traditions from the Hindu tradition. The mystic Lalashwari who says, I saw that God is not other than me, and this non-dual knowledge completely destroyed all thought of you and I that idea of deep connection. From the Jewish tradition, Gershom Sholem says, in his own self, he lifts the barriers which separate one sphere from the other. In his own self, finally, he transcends the limits of natural existence. And at the end of his way, without, as it were, a single step beyond himself, he discovers the all in all. Although I really like best Yunman out of the Buddhist tradition who says, the time will come when your mind will suddenly come to a stop like an old rat who finds himself in a cul-de-sac. <laughs> That's a good image too. Just have that for a moment. An old rat who finds himself in a cul-de-sac. Then there will be a plunging into the unknown with the cry, ah, this... Not all mystics actually have old rats in their mystical experiences. I will say that's something unique. But this idea of oneness and connection, you know, it comes in all sorts of traditions, including non-theistic ones like Buddhism and some would argue like Taoism, which posits a way instead of a deity. That oneness is the truth, I think, That we found in the story eventually when the two broken pieces were put together. We are loved and so are they. The deeper piece, of course, is it's not really we and they at all, it's really us all together somehow. Now, Stephen Prothero would say that I'm looking at the exemplars of religious life. That's what he accuses folks of doing when they see the unity in religious tradition, that I'm not looking at the regular people, and that it's the regular people who are killing each other over the differences in their religious traditions. But, you know, I like exemplars. Regular people will mess up anything, actually. (laughs) I guess that's why he is a scholar, And I'm not. I'm a a preacher, a leader, a person of faith. Sometimes I think I went this route so that I would have a reason, a weekly reason, to hold out what is best, what is possible, to hold out a belief in that possibility, even if the regular people keep messing it up all the time. And I think that belief is so important for us, even even especially in our ethical tradition, as we focus on the ethical piece, the ethical side, as we focus perhaps on the people on the cathedral steps more than the light that comes through the window. Because why is it, I wonder, that all religions share that ethical base? Why is it that we have some version of the golden rule? Mightn't it be because at its heart there is a oneness a sympathy or at least the same yearning toward it the same need that we're trying to fill the same hope that we are indeed connected that the mystics are right now it doesn't say that we that we shouldn't notice and honor those differences our share of the plate this month is with the Washington Interfaith Network, which, which Wes has been a member of for a couple of years now. And one of the things that I really love about the Washington Interfaith Network is that they don't do any interfaith concerts. <laughs> Again, I really like interfaith concerts, don't get me wrong. But what the Washington Interfaith Network does is rather than offer opportunities for people to just sing, they do that too at their meetings, rather than that, we look at what it is that we can build in common with each other. It has at its heart, I think, the idea that we do share the same ethics. Perhaps that's why my explanation of ethical culture tends to go over so well. That people have come together understanding and acknowledging our differences celebrating them sometimes sometimes noticing that they lead us in different ethical directions when doesn't take on every issue only the ones that we can agree on but when we can agree on an issue and when we can do it bringing the fullness of each of our traditions to that moment when we don't say you know we're just all the same standing here but when we say No, I speak out of this place, which is true for me, and it isn't true for you. And the person next to us can say, I hear you, and I honor you. And I speak out of a different place, a different truth, and it isn't true for you. But together, those truths can speak to the larger need, the need of our city or of our world for healing, for living wages, for food on the cathedral steps. Well, maybe Prothero is right, that my belief that that's possible, that there's something beyond the truths that are different that binds us somehow together underneath it. Maybe that is just another kind of faith. But I think maybe that's okay. I don't mind saying that I have that kind of faith. And if that kind of faith is just what distinguishes my own personal brand of religion, well, I will wear that badge with pride.